Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Fusion Fellowship. Good to see everybody here tonight. Uh, how many people brought their pumpkins? Woo, raise your hand. Oh, you got one pumpkin? So, uh... It's a big one. I'm going to need 10 guys to help me with this carbonate. Oh, yeah? All right. Let's all do it. Let's all do it. One slice each. I like it. All right, so that was supposed to be the game plan for tonight, but, uh, you know... We're irresponsible. So, we're going to carve one big pumpkin tonight, I guess. <laughs> Very good. So, probably just to hang out tonight if nobody got pumpkins. Or you can see if Acme or something has it. Um, so, that's the plan for tonight slash not plan for the night. Uh, tomorrow, there is a Halloween party. Is that correct? Oh, forgot about that. That's going to be here. 6 p.m. Oh, be careful, man. 6 p.m. Uh, here at the study center. So there's going to be a band playing. I think there's stuff for kids. It's a costume party. It's a costume party, so remember to bring your pumpkins to the costume party. Very good. And also, so that's tomorrow, big party. Saturday, uh, there is no 4 p.m. CT. CT is going to be at 6 p.m. We're supposed to bring apps and snacks to the Halloween party tomorrow. So back up tomorrow, apps and snacks. Our, our uh, fellowship group is on apps and snacks? Yeah, us and, and one of the other fellowships okay. are on apps and snacks. What if we're just on drinks instead and we just say, here you go, Tim and Eric stuff. We'll talk about it. Apps and snacks. Saturday, no 4 p.m. CT, 6 p.m. only. Okay, 6 p.m. CT. I think that's all the announcements. Next Saturday is what? Time. Is that when it's starting? Yeah. Yeah. What? What was this posted? No, great. Oh, that's week. What? It's next week. Neil said. Oh, next week. Yeah. Oh. Oh. You got the inside scoop. Yeah. So that was one of the things at DMT. Uh, RCT not this Saturday, but the next Saturday will be starting at 5 p.m. From now on. From now on. From, from next week. Though. From next week. Uh, not this one. It's at 6. Next week, 5 p.m. So we're going to see how that shakes out. I think we're going to do like a... What's that? The second one will not be on Saturday. second one may be on a Thursday. So we probably definitely need to meet this weekend. Um, I think that they're planning on meeting in both. Yeah, they're not going to meet here. I don't think we need to meet this weekend. <laughs> Anyways, hey, big news. Okay, big news. Anyways, that's it for announcements. Right? Angie, come on up. Round of applause. Hi, guys. Thanks, Brian. How's everybody? Okay. All right. So I don't know if Rich said this, uh, but we're going to be in chapter 12 of Genesis tonight. The call of Abram and the Abrahamic covenant. Um, Would someone like to start us out with some prayer, please? Learning 
about you and uh, what you have in store for April. Um, I pray that you can be speaking through Angie and Jamie tonight and uh, that, Holy Spirit, I just pray you can be convicting us. Yeah, Lord, I do just lift this evening up to you and um, pray that you would be speaking through Jamie and me um, really clearly and speaking into the hearts of uh, everyone here. Um, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So these beginning verses in chapter 12 have been called the most foundational passage in the Bible. That was the first thing I read when I started to study. And, of course, I went... No, <laughs> I'm not teaching that on that. I can't do that, right? So then I started studying and realized that this is exactly what I needed to be studying. So with an attitude like that. So the reason, um, I think one of the reasons this is called the most foundational passage in the Bible is because this covenant that God made with Abraham Um, extends to every single living person since then, all of us. And, right, right, wow, I know. So we're going to be skipping around a little bit. Um, I'll be going over verse 1, and then I'm going to spend some time on verses 4 through 9, and then we're going to come back to Jamie, who's going to be talking to us about the covenant God made with Abraham in verses 2 and 3. We're also going to be looking at uh, the end of chapter 11, so keep your Bibles open to follow along. Stop that now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, so far in our study uh, in the book of Genesis, we've seen this unfold. Genesis 1, God created man in his own image, giving him dominion over the earth and other creatures. Humanity failed at this, and sin entered into the world. In Genesis 4, we saw that man's sin nature introduced chaos and disorder onto the earthly scene, and we had our first murder. This chaos and disorder eventually brought about universal catastrophe, and in Genesis 6, we read about the flood. Human government tried to rectify the problem by banding together to create their own religion and their own empire, to keep themselves safe, which required God's intervention and the confusion of the tongues in chapter 11 that we read about last week, the Tower of Babel. So at this point, where we are now, God turns in a new direction to accomplish his will, his unfolding plan of redemption. From now on, the focus of God's dealings with man is not scattered individuals, but a race, a nation. And out of this race comes law, priests, wisdom, patterns of relationship with God, prophecies, laments, psalms, and all of these point to a new covenant. So, yeah, this is a pretty foundational passage. Now, I'd like to talk about three things. Who was Abram? Why did God choose Abram? and Abram's response to God's directive. Jamie's also going to be talking about uh, that when she goes over uh, Abraham's part in this covenant. So uh, would someone please read Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. 
Okay. God spoke to Abram and gave him four directives. Leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Um, some of you, you probably all know this, but Abraham's name was originally Abram. It wasn't until years later that uh, his name was changed to Abraham. So I'm going to probably be intermittently be saying Abram and Abraham, but it's the same person. Um, and we, as Christians, we're familiar with Abraham, right? We hold him up as our spiritual forefather. Um, and it's repeated over and over in the New Testament that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Christianity holds up Abraham and his faith as an example to live by. It's an awfully hard standard to live up to, isn't it? This man of great faith who left his family, his home, his possessions, and just picked up one day when God told him to. That picture, though, is not quite the Abraham of the Bible. Was he a man of great faith? Absolutely. But in studying this, what encourages me is not his faith, but his very human struggles with obedience. So let's talk a bit about this guy. Here are some of the things we know. He was a descendant of Shem. Do you guys remember who Shem was? He was the good son of Noah. God promised in Genesis 9 that he would dwell in a unique sense with Shem's line. Abraham was a descendant of Shem. Abe's father was a man named Terah. And we can read a little bit about the family background in, at the end of Genesis 11. Would someone read Genesis 11, 27 through 32? Now these are the, generation, the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Iscar. Sarai was barren, and she had no children. How far? Uh, 32. Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, and his son Abram's wife, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from the war of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Thanks, Terry. Okay, so um, he, Abraham, he lived in a place called Ur with his family. And we know from uh, Stephen's um, speech recorded in uh, Acts 7 that God's call to Abraham came to him when he lived in Ur. We don't know what form God's appearance to Abraham took, but whatever it was, I think it's just important to know that the initiative here was with God. Ur, by the way, has been excavated, and from this excavation, we can date Abraham to about 2100 B.C. The excavation also showed that Ur was a really wealthy city. Um, Ur was also known for its worship of Ur-Nami, Namu. Ur-Nami was a human king who became um, deified as the moon god. So they were worshiping the moon god. Joshua 24.2 says that Abraham's father and Abraham himself actively participated in this idolatrous worship. Now, we can see from the passage in chapter 11 that Abraham and his family 
started out on a move to Canaan. They left Ur, but they got to a place called Haran and decided to settle there for a while. That's why in Genesis 12, 1, that's why Genesis 12, 1 starts with the words, the Lord had said. So the chronology is a bit unclear, but it appears that this is like a flashback to the family's time in Ur before they moved to Haran, uh, which, by the way, was another moon-worshipping city. So God chose an idolater, and it's not like he didn't have any other choices. I mean, some of the reading I've done suggests that there was a really super godly guy named Job who lived around this time and in this general area. Now, I'm not sure about that, so, and I didn't want to go down that rabbit trail too far. But God had choices. But God chose Abraham. He came to this moon god worshiper back in the city of Ur, and he made him a promise. One of the most important promises in the whole Bible. And it's going to be repeated and expanded on and clarified again and again and again. Jamie will talk to us about that. Which brings me to my second point. Why did God choose Abraham? Well, we know that God often chooses to call people who live in deep darkness to do his work. And often people who come from the deepest darkness turn out to shine the brightest. In fact, God delights in calling such people because what they do is because of God, and it's not because of their competence or their goodness. Um, could someone please read 1 Cor 1, 26 through 29? according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base, base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. So God chooses the foolish, the weak, the lowly, the despised. Hello. Hello. In fact, God calls all of us out of darkness, doesn't he? First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He calls us all out of darkness. Well, ultimately, Abraham was obedient, perhaps reluctantly, perhaps uh, certainly certainly imperfectly. But Abraham had two character qualities that we all need when the Lord asks us to do something. He had a willingness to sacrifice, and he had a willingness to step out in faith. Obedience always requires sacrifice. Um, We may be required to forgive someone. We may be required to step out of our comfort zone to do something with a service ministry. We may be required to reconcile with someone or to reach out to someone. All of these require sacrifice of some sort. 
of our feelings or our time or our resources. But the gospel teaches that we're able to obey because we are already accepted and that with obedience comes joy. And our willingness to step out in faith increases each time we do it. You've had that experience, right? Each time we see that God is trustworthy and faithful and loving, we will respond imperfectly. Abraham certainly did. Let's take a look at his response. So, God asks Abram to leave his country, his relatives, his father's family, and go to the land he'll show him. And how does he respond? Could someone read 1131 again, please? God gave him four things to do. He did one. One. One thing. He doesn't leave his relatives or his father's family or go to the land, but he does leave his native country. Um, to be fair, though, even that one thing would be a tough sell. Now, I can only imagine, like, Tara telling his son, well, you know, maybe we better wait for market conditions to be better before you sell the homestead or, like, <laughs> why, just hang on, wait till your kids are out of school. A- Abram didn't have any kids, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Just Wait. Well, Abram did. He had a good start. He he tried. He started out, but it seems even his faith wavered, and he stopped short in Haran. Now, this is how I usually respond when God asks me to do things. Love to, God. Want to? We'll do that. But there's this one thing I got to take care of first. I got to. I could. I. I need to find a good job first, and then I'm all yours. Like, i got to get this thing figured out first. Let me fix my finances first, and then once I have that all settled, then I'm, I'm in, I'm there with you, I'm in there, right? Got to get this family situation figured out. Once I do that, I'm yours. I mean, there's always that one thing, my job, my finances, my house. We're all at some point going to be called to make the same sacrifices Abraham was commanded to make, to leave our country, I mean, perhaps not literally, but certainly leave our old lives lives behind, Um, leave our relatives, uh, the traditions family may have, uh, our friends, the pressure of family and friends. You know, um, maybe you've had this experience where family and friends don't understand what you're doing now. What are you into and what are you doing Have you guys had that experience with family and friends after you became a Christian? Yeah. So, anyway, let's continue in our passage tonight. Could someone read 12, 4 through 7? Okay. So, Abram departed. Uh, We're in 13, right? 12. 12, 12, 4 through 7. 12, 4 through 7. I'm sorry. That's okay. You said that, and I didn't pay attention. (laughs) So, Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morai at At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. 
And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord, who had appeared to him. Thanks, Bob. After that, Abram traveled south. Oh, that's good. Uh, okay. Yep, that's good. Okay. Thank you. Um, so we can see, finally, Abraham leaves Haran, and he goes on his journey as God had instructed, headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived, the land was already occupied by, guess who? The Canaanites, right? The Canaanites. There's a long history of Israel's battles with the Canaanites, which we're not going to go into tonight. But it is so cool that here in verse 7, God makes another promise to Abram. I will give this land to your descendants. So God waits patiently for Abraham to be obedient. And when he gets to the promised land, he gets another visit from God affirming his decision. We can be, we are, so indecisive. God wants us to do something, and we whiffle, and we waffle, and we wait, and we delay, and then we wonder why God's not doing anything in our lives. He's waiting for us to take that first step he's told us to. But no, we want to see the whole picture first, don't we? We want to see what the end's going to look like. You know, we say, Jesus, save me, but stay out of my life. Don't mess with my family or my finances or my job or whatever this thing is. Um, you know, when we first hear the gospel, we're, we're like Abram in, in Ur, or whatever you say that. God's word comes to us, and, you know, it sounds good, yet when we first hear it, there might be a lot in our old life that we're just not quite ready to give up, that we don't really want to walk away from, and mostly because we don't know what this new life is going to look like. Um, no doubt Abraham felt this hesitancy. And the thing is that we all know now, I think, is that you can't know the new life until it's experienced. There comes a time, we all know this too, when a decision has to be made. Um, you know, to, to trust Jesus, to trust the Lord, to trust that God is good and wants what is best for us. God, at that point, is asking us for that first step of faith. That simple yes, it says we trust him and we want a new life with him. And God's promise to you at that time is eternal life with him. That starts at that moment that we do that. But there's a step we have to take. You can't stay in Ur and go to the land at the same time. We know that. Now, for those of us who have accepted God's initial offer of this new life, well, we know it doesn't end there. We enter that life by faith, and we're continually asked by God to take other steps of faith, to go other places to make that second commitment, that second decision. Now, I want to walk by faith. I want to trust God in all things and never doubt and never fear and never worry. And I believe that you do too. And we can all beat ourselves up about how Abraham lived that way and I should too, but Abraham failed sometimes too. Here's what Abraham ultimately knew though. He had a great God. That's what Abraham ultimately knew. And so do we. Abraham knew that even when he fails, God will not. And Abraham had faith in God's greatness. So I've shared this with some of you, but a few weeks ago, I had, several weeks ago, whatever, I had a, a kind of a crisis, and I called Todd Muller, and I said, I, I'm not, don't, I, take me out of prayer ministry, I can't teach anymore, take me out of leadership, I can't do any of this anymore. And Todd's response to me was, then it's a good thing it's not up to you. <laughs> So I guess my encouragement to any of you who might also feel that way is to know that it doesn't matter if you take that step imperfect, 
imperfectly or hesitantly or if it takes you a while. God is patient, and if we ask for his help in taking that step, he'll provide it. And it might take the form of some brother or sister reminding you that we have a great God. So that's all I have, and I'm going to turn it over to Jamie now to talk about the covenant. The covenant. The covenant. All right. Thanks. All right, I have a couple of verses I need people to read. Does anyone want to read a verse for me? Uh, Lindsay, will you get Matthew 1.1? 1, 1. Uh, Dan, will you go to 2 Timothy 2.13? And then actually, if everyone else... Oh, Brenda, do you have your hand up? Jeremiah 29.11. Yeah, I missed one. And if everyone else can turn to Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, we're going to stick with those. Terry, were you still there? Yep. Will you reread um, verses 12, 1 through 3 for us? Yep. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Yes. So this is what is known as the Abrahamic Covenant. And like Angie said, it talks about Abram. I'm probably just going to say Abraham because we'll hear next week about how his name gets changed and more about his life. And Angie started off in telling us about who Abraham was and why God picked him, which we don't really have a great answer because he wasn't a great guy. He didn't have this perfect moral life. He didn't follow every single thing God said, but he was promised that his name would be made great. And he's talked about through the entire Bible as this man of faith. And that is what characterized Abraham, was his faith. And so we talked about why we chose Abraham. I want to talk a little bit about why this covenant is so important. Why, like Angie said, this is considered one of, if not the most important passage in the Bible. And then a little bit of what God's part and what Abraham's part were in this covenant. So first, why is this so important? Well, this passage, we'll see, it lays out really a table of contents for the rest of the Bible. It's, we can follow where God built his nation and then he brought them to this land and that through this same descendant line, we receive blessings for the whole earth through Jesus Christ. This is the template of the entire rest of the Bible. And so it starts in Genesis 13 through Deuteronomy. This is our section all about this nation. Um, that God was establishing his own people, the Jews, the Israelites. Um, that this started, as Angie said, with Abraham's own descendants. And this is what God is promising him here when he was in Ur, when he was already old, his wife was old and was barren, had never had babies, way past the prime of her life. Um, I got to teach that to little kids at Johnny and Friends this summer. Very funny to think about um, old people having sex. So one of the kids told me that their grandma was having a baby, and I knew their grandma. I was like, she's not. We had a great conversation about it because it is almost laughable, this promise, how great and grand it is. Um, 
But we see through Genesis, through Deuteronomy, how God built this nation of people directly from Abraham's family, that he was given a son. And he did that through Abraham's faith. And so we see that carried out throughout the Old Testament. And then we get to the book of Joshua and kind of the rest of the historical books in the rest of the Old Testament really are chronicle, chronicle, I can't say words. It has the chronicle of all of the land issues where the Israelites are in their land and then they kind of go against God. They don't keep their side of the promise. So God judges them and he kicks them out of their land, lets people um, exile them, lets people um, take over. And then they're like, oh, wait, God, we do want you. We repent. We come back to you. And so God's like, okay, cool. Have your land back. You're going to gain it back. Look at all this power you can have. Your tiny armies defeat these grand armies. God shows these miracles that he uses through his people. And so they're great, and they're in their land again. And then they start caring about themselves and worshiping themselves and other gods. So God judges them again, and they're kicked out of the land. And it goes again and again and again. But we see throughout the whole Old Testament where God is establishing that this land for his people, he has promised it is for them. And he always upholds that promise. And so it teaches us. You can read through these chapters and understand that God is faithful even when his people are unfaithful. And then we get to the New Testament. And it starts off immediately with going back to this promise. Who did I give Matthew 1 1 to? That was me. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Yeah. Abraham's literally in the very first verse of the first book of the New Testament. That we can see here 2,000 years later that God has preserved his people, he has preserved the literal genealogy of Abraham to be Jesus Christ, who they said, because through Abraham, all the families on earth will be blessed. And this blessing comes from Jesus Christ. This blessing is that God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins so that we can have eternity in heaven with God. This one promise made to Abraham in what Andy said, probably 2000 uh, BC, was brought forward with Jesus' death on the cross. And so this covenant is not just a covenant with Abraham, but it's with us as well. We get to receive these blessings. God is promising to be faithful to us. And so we get to be a part of this. That's why this covenant is so important. Because it's a map of what God's plan for history was and is. And so we want to look a little bit more at this covenant and what was God promising and what was Abraham supposed to do? Because this was an agreement. A covenant is a contract. It's supposed to be a bilateral agreement. Two parties come together and make an agreement. I will hold up my part. They will hold up their part and we'll go forward. It's like a standard lease agreement. Lacey and I signed a lease for our apartment that, you know, we're going to pay our rent every month. We're not going to trash the place. The landlord's going to make sure everything's taken care of and kept up and we'll show up when our sink is leaking. That's our agreement. Um, And so, you know, we had our little digital signature that we're all pretty familiar with. 
This is kind of how it went in their days, but instead of a digital signature, they did this weird thing where they cut animals in half and like walked through their blood. I'm really happy about digital signatures. That's all gross and messy, and we don't have time to get into it tonight, but that is, um, we can see that act of the promise in Genesis 15, if you guys want to do some reading on that. But in this agreement, God and Abraham came together to perform this covenant act. And what's very unique about this is that God does all the heavy lifting. He promises all of these things that we read in this verse, and we'll reread it in a second, that he will uphold this even when Abraham fails. And so God's part, he had five I wills. He says, I will give you this land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And I will make you a blessing and through your descendant, bring a blessing to all nations. And so God had five I wills or five promises to Abraham. And so we can see that God is the heavy lifter here. He wants to do all the hard work. God initiates this plan. He came to Abraham to make this plan. He takes on the burden of it all. And he keeps his side of the promise even when the nations fail again and again. When Abraham fails again and again. When we continue to fail. God is the one that, while he is rejected, he continues to move through his plan. Because this is how following God works. That God, he has plans for us. For every single one of us. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And he wants us to have blessings. He wants good things for our lives. Um, who had Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God has good plans for us, not of calamity. Um, And so often when we're thinking about God's plans, we go about this so backwards, and myself included, we kind of go, all right, God, so I know that you want good things for me. So here's a list of all the good things I want. And, you know, I really would like these um, promises to come through, like, here's a good timeline for it. Like, you know, this summer, maybe this would work out. It doesn't have to be, like, this exact date. But, you know, here's a few months wiggle room. You know, God, whatever's in your will. Um, But, like, you know, if you could just work that out for me, give me all these good things, that'd be just peachy. Um, We'd be all on the same page. Love it. (laughs) And then, when God doesn't give us, our list of things in the time we want, we then get indignant. We're so angry that God didn't answer our prayers as we wanted them. How dare you, God, not go on my plan and my schedule? And we accuse God that he's not faithful to his promises. We accuse him that he doesn't actually want good things for us. I've been here so many times. Um... The notable one was last year when I went through a painful breakup and I was so angry that I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do, God. Why won't you give me what I want? Why can't I be married? Why can't I make relationships work? Why are you letting me go through all this pain and suffering? And just so angry that God's not giving me what I want. And believing that I know what's better. 
Um, and struggling to trust that God has better plans for me, that he does know better. Um, I think a lot of us can relate to this. We can think of times where we felt abandoned or felt like God's not coming through. Um, it's painful. It hurts. I'm sure Abraham felt that too when they're waiting years to be in this land or waiting for a child or waiting to see these promises come through. Um, but we have to cling to that God's plans are good. That God does keep his promises. We can see that God made this promise 2,000 years ago to Abraham and then Jesus did come. That he was faithful to that promise on God's timeline when he knew the time was right. Not when Abraham thought the time was right. God keeps these promises because of his grace. Um, 2 Timothy 2.13. If you are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Yeah. This is why God keeps his promises. Because he can't deny himself. He is the ultimate good. And we can trust him. Even when it's not easy. And it hurts. It doesn't look quite right. So that's God's part. He's going to do all the heavy lifting. Now, Abraham had a part as well. And this isn't that it was just nothing because God's going to keep it. Abraham doesn't actually have to do anything. No, God is calling him to be a part of this. God wants Abraham to be an active participant. That's what faith is. It is an active and dependent trust. It's a belief that in something that is real and true and evidence of faith is not a feeling. I just feel faithful today. No, it is an active decision to pursue what is true. And so Abraham was given four directives. He was told to leave, 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 and go. So leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's house. You have to imagine the faith it takes to leave. He left behind his whole comfort zone, everything he ever knew, going against the tradition of his family, possibly even against their approval. Um, he had no security blanket. He just had to go and leave. And then he's told to go to this land that I will show you. God didn't even tell him where he's going. <laughs> that takes some real faith. I hate that. I hate you to like, get in the car and you're like, oh, where are we going? Someone's like, oh, I'll just tell you. I'm like, no, no, no. I need... The, G the directions, I need the address, let me type it in my GPS, let me look at the map, think about all the which ways I want to go that I'm most comfortable with, let me think about where the parking lot's going to be when I get there, am I going to have to parallel park because i got to like mentally prepare for who in my car is going to judge me for this, I need to think this through, I don't want any of this, oh I, I'll give you a direction step by step, because what, what if that person forgets, they're giving you directions, you get distracted, they start talking. What if they steer you wrong? What if they didn't know about the construction going on? I'd hate it. Abraham didn't know where he was going. He wasn't given a specific direction. And then he gets there, and there's people there. God, I thought this was our land. You said this was for us. Why are there people? Why isn't this easy? Abraham had to have faith, had to have this active and dependent trust on God, knowing that he was going to continue to come through on his promises. And so it's the same for us today. We have the opportunity to enter a covenant with God. We get to be in a mutual relationship with him. God does not force a relationship on us. We have to, God offers, do you want to receive eternal life? 
Do you want to be in heaven with me? If so, ex- admit that you're a sinner. Accept Jesus' death on the cross as payment for your sins. And then you will be saved. This is a covenant. This is two ways. God offers, but we have to accept. We have to put our trust, our faith in him. It's not a blind decision. And we're not going to know all of the answers when we make that decision. I know for me, I really wanted to just ask every single question when I was investigating God and kept coming up with more and more reasons why I shouldn't and why I shouldn't be a Christian, why I shouldn't believe in God. And just kept kind of running into this time and time again. And eventually had to get to that point to recognize I'm not going to know everything. But what have I got to lose in putting my faith here? And as I, after I made that decision, things became more clear. Like more of my questions did get answered. I can have more tools to investigate. The word is easier to understand now that I have this relationship with Christ because we're doing it together. It is a partnership. And so we have this covenant with God and we're promised that through Jesus that we will receive blessings. This doesn't end just with a blessing of salvation. But God wants to continue to work in our lives. And so this means that we have to continue to pursue this, to put our trust in God, to make this second decision, this third decision, this daily decision to follow God, to put our faith and our trust in him. And to ask, are we willing to set aside our plans to get on his page? Are we willing to go when God calls us? And this isn't for nothing. We get to receive God's blessings. We get to receive the joy that it is in following God. Um, We have the opportunity for salvation, but it doesn't stop there. Um, So I want to ask you just to think about tonight. If you're not feeling this joy, this blessing of following Christ, um, maybe we need to evaluate if we really are following him or still trying to follow our own way. To really make that daily decision. And I want to encourage just everyone here, if you are struggling, saying, I'm not feeling these blessings of following God. I'm stuck in this pain. It's hard to follow, to trust. Don't you know you're not alone? Abraham struggled with this. We're going to hear all about his life next week, I think. And we're going to hear about that as we go through Genesis. Abraham struggles. Talk to anyone here. They've been there. They are there struggling to continue to trust but we're not called to struggle alone so if you are here and struggling to follow god to feel like you can trust him don't do it alone reach out to people talk to people bring that into the light so that god can work with you and your friends can support you in that um a passage i just wanted to end with that's always really helpful for me when i'm stuck in this hole um, is psalms 37 verses 3 through 7 Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That's all I have. wanted to open it up if anyone had any questions or comments things you guys want to share
<laughs> they're so excited for the whole two pumpkins we have to carve. <laughs> um, how important is it to have that record.
course he was, because I guess my faith has been mostly in myself. Lacey's covenant with one another. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it literally has no explanation just how we practice. I kept saying, thanks. <laughs> um, I actually do that actually have things. That was just how I was planning on starting that. <laughs> um, I, I think it's actually pretty interesting how the crux of gift to us rests on the faith of a single man um, and how that like that's all it took is one man to be faithful enough to the Lord to give us all the opportunity to prove ourselves faithful and learn what it means to <laughs> Sorry, there's a baby at the window over here. Make, that, that's all it is. It's just Sophia. <laughs> there's a Halloween party. Sorry, we're listening, Lacey. It was okay. I was like, did I just try a
I think it's interesting that, um, so like the earlier parts of Genesis, uh, peoples are messed up. Mm-hmm. Like we are screwed up. Right? I mean, like wicked and wicked and depraved and all kinds of things. And, and, you know, so much so that in chapter 6, right, every thought of the intention of our heart is only evil continuously. Like that's the mess we created here in, in the early part. Right? In the midst of that depravity and rebellion, God like reached in and said, you know, you guys are so messed up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a way out, and I'm gonna use broken people to show that the power is mine and not yours. Yeah. You know, people of little faith, Lacey, not uh, not necessarily people of people that are all that, but I'm gonna use broken people to show my love to the world, because my love is is so cool and so big that I can work through these dumb people. Right. My, my love and my grace can shine through these peoples who are so fallen, so mostly rebellious. Um, and so he comes and he comes into that wreck, into that mess and says, you know what, I'm going to make a promise to you um, to reach all the peoples of the world. Right? And that just astonishes me that God um, loves us in that way. You know, that uh, he made this commitment 4,000 years ago. And he's still today is making good of it. Yeah. Right? Uh, and he will continue to make good of it until it's done. And so that really astonishes me that God is so good and so loving and so faithful when we are so faithless. Uh, openly rebellious. His faithfulness is everlasting um, and enduring. It's just it, that strikes and amazes my heart all the time because I am so messed up. And yet he loves me. It's mm-hmm. just so cool. Praise God, I say. I agree. I agree that you're messed up. We're all messed up. Mm-hmm. You might get it. <laughs> there's no uh, there's no perfect in life. You just have to like accept us the way we are. And uh, God is pretty much like uh, does uh, work for us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I learned that from the best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, can I get like one or two people to pray and then we can hang out? I'll close this down. Uh, Lord, I just want to thank you so much. Um, for Jamie and Angie taking time out of their, we know, very busy weeks um, to uh, get prep this teaching more and to just be uh, letting your spirit lead them when it comes to like uh, um, sharing, uh, sharing like these convictions with us, Lord. Um, and like it is uh, so cool, like looking back at Abraham and just like just seeing how like loving and intelligent you are like you have this like whole plan from start to finish and even the finish is eternity lord so it's mm-hmm. never finished which is at just it's so mind-blowing just trying to like sit here and like try to even comprehend a small portion of this lord but i do just uh i thank you so much lord that your plans are so much better than any of our plans uh it's always incredible whenever um 
any of us do give up control of our plans or give up our timelines and decide to go with your plans and just see where you take us, Lord, because again, it's so much better and it's um, sometimes even what we never thought of for ourselves. So um, I do just want to be lifting tonight up, just praying for some cool conversations, maybe just like cool convictions or cool stories to share, like of times when like we have trusted you with your plan versus our plan, Lord. Um, and yeah, no, again, just want to pray for an uplifting night tonight. Lord, I just, um, I'm so grateful that you are faithful, that that is part of your character, and that uh, you cannot deny yourself. Um, I thank you that we can have this active, uh, dependent trust on you because you are trustworthy, and that, uh, I don't know, we don't, we don't have to just try to do it on our own. I pray that we can all be really taking this to heart, Lord, and, and being able to step out in faith, uh, seek out where your plan is, and even when we don't understand it or uh, are stressed out by it, um, I pray that we can remember that uh, your will is for our good and that uh, you love us. I pray that, like Brenda was saying, we can... Uh, have some cool conversations about what that has looked like in our lives, and um, that it can be a really uplifting night tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, God, just thinking about uh, as Lacey's comment, one man being faithful and respected so many, and um, you know, Lord, thank you for uh, me being faithful in my life and reaching mm -hmm. out to me and giving me the gospel, God. Uh, yeah, thank you for all the men and women that have been in all of our lives that have been faithful to you and to reach out to us and to encourage us when we're down and to confront us Lord when we're straying from you so just pray God uh, we remember those faithful men and women in our lives and we'd also uh, strive to be that just as faithful uh, to whatever you're calling us to just like you did Abram uh, so you know, we'll lift that up to you lift up tonight that we'd have some sweet fellowship with one another Yeah, Lord, just thank you so much for your promises and that you um, are faithful even when we are faithless. Um, I just pray if there's anyone here that is struggling, um, that's uh, unsure of your promises or just feeling um, alone right now, that they could be reaching out, that we would be um, revealing that to their friends and to each of us here so we can come alongside. Just thank you that you give us a body of Christ to hold one another up and... Um, that you just value relationships so much. Um, we just pray for a fun night of fellowship and relating with one another and um, thinking about you and just the plans that you have, um, that are the good plans that you have for us in our lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Amen.